Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. Be sure to stay tuned to the end of the show to hear how you can get a copy of today's program and other helpful documents. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Hello, you're listening to KABF in Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm Carrie McCoy, and it's time for me to get all up in your business. For the next hour, my guest and I will be, to the best of our ability, answering questions and giving advice to small business owners and to people who dream of owning a small business. You may be asking yourself, what makes this lady qualified to do this? And I'll tell you, experience. Forty years ago, with just $400, I started Arkansas Flag and Banner. Since then, it's morphed into simply flagandbanner.com, with sales nearing $4 million. That's worth saying again. I started Arkansas Flag and Banner with just $400, and today we have sales nearing $4 million. I started by selling flags door-to-door, then went to telemarketing, next mail order and catalog sales, and today... We rely heavily on the internet. In addition, over the last 40 years, I've navigated flag and banner through two recessions and two wars. When people find out I'm that woman who owns Arkansas Flag and Banner, they often say, oh, I've heard about you, and begin asking me business advice. I amaze even myself with all the knowledge that I've gained through the years. You will not be given textbook answers or theory but you will be given candid advice from real-world experience. So be prepared for the truth. It's not always easy to hear. For instance, you may not want to hear this. In business, there are very few overnight successes. Starting and owning a business takes persistence, perseverance, and patience. When I started Arkansas Flag and Banner, I supplemented my income by waitressing, all while I peddled my flags door-to-door. After nine years, did you hear me? Nine years of working a part-time job, the company began to grow and solely support me. My first hire was a bookkeeper to answer the phone and handle the clerical side of the business. My first expansion was to begin the manufacturing of custom flags, so a sewing department developed. The next decade ushered in the Desert Storm War. Flags were scarce, so a screen printing department was hurriedly built to meet consumer demands. In addition to sales and manufacturing, Flag and Banner now has a purchasing department, a shipping department, technology department, marketing department, call center, and a retail store. And I spearheaded the development of every one of these departments. My experience is deep and wide, and my advice is free. Unbelievable! Before we start taking calls, I want to introduce you to the people at the table. We have Tim Bowen, our technician, who will be taking your calls and pushing the buttons. Say hello, Tim. Hello, Tim. (laughs) My guest today is the talented Rick St. Vincent, a.k.a. Richie St. Vincent. He is a self-employed actor, musician, singer, and talented woodworker. He boasts a long career in film, theater, broadcast, and radio. When he is not acting or creating furniture in his workshop, you may find him crooning with an accompanist at local restaurants or parties. He is a regular at Bossa Nova on the first Thursday of every month in the Hillcrest neighborhood. In addition, Rick is a lover of the Dreamland Ballroom and has been an active board member of the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland almost since its inception in 2009. 
This multi-talented, modern, renaissance man is going to talk with us today about the many aspects of building a business and career around your creativity. Welcome to the table, the one, the only, Rick St. Vincent. Ah, that's crowd noise. That's crowd. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good imitation. I like that. I make. I saw that. that on TV. It was a little girl, and she, the mom was going to play basketball, and they said, and the crowd went wild. The little girl goes. <laughs> I said, How cute. Good. good so good who doesn't want to be a Renaissance man, right? <laughs> well, you know what, Carrie. I just spoke with Joe Fox, who asked about your show down at Community Bakery, and um, he's asking about uh, your show and talked to me and says, well, how did you get hooked up to do the show? He just I, needs to call me. And Well, no, not him. I'm saying oh. he asked me, how did I get hooked up with the show today? And I said, well, I know Carrie from Premland Ballroom, Flag and Banner. and Really we, before that? Yeah. We've done some parties. Yeah, because I used to come right past your place when I had my shop. I've known you for 30 years. You probably don't remember that. For 30 years? I think it was 30 years ago. It was 1990 when I first met you. 19, That's yeah. 26 years. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's about the time I came by your place with my little uh, dog. I was walking my dog right past Flag and Banner. We're going to get into that. We'll get into You're losing stuff. everybody but, on well, that. No, no. I started out saying that um, you talked about Renaissance and I'm always stepping back from that moniker because I'm always thinking, well, I would love to have one thing that I can do great and make all the money like you and everybody else, you know, when you just make money. Oh, I wish. Yeah, but uh, when you have to do all of these different things to survive, you learn to do these things over years. And then next thing you know, you, you know four or five, six different things that you do well, but you haven't made any real money off of any one of them in particular. So... I was going to ask yeah. you about you're doing so many different things, and I think you just answered it. Well, it's just what you do to survive. It's what you do to survive. When you talked about your business and you said that you needed to have production, so you set up a production and you got silk screening and things of that nature. Same thing. I was in radio for 17 years. I did probably 17, 20 radio stations in eight different cities, six different states. Since 19, let me just read everybody what you've done. Well, you don't have to read. It, oh, right? I have got to. <laughs> so, so I go to Google up you, and like everybody that no. I've ever interviewed in here that I've known literally for decades, I read about them and go, Oh my gosh, I haven't really known them. For instance, in film, you've done the old State House documentary. You've done a lot more documentaries than that. Yeah. You actually need to update this website. You've done The White River Kid, The Corporate Man, Height of the Sky, The Crown, Sagittarius, A Time to Kill. Yeah, that Over was a big the, one. That's a big that one. A Over big the one. Edge, Slightly Bent, just to name a few. And then you did broadcast for AETN, for Alta, for Fairford Bay, for Big on the Rock. And then you already said it. I mean, listen to this paper of all the stuff you've done. And then you've been in 39 radio stations over 17 years, eight cities, and six states. Just different stuff, you know. Papa was a rolling stone. <laughs> Wherever he laid his hat was his home. And right now my hat is laying right here on the desk of <laughs> KABF. <laughs> <laughs> so you're back in Little Rock. Uh, yeah. As, as Actually, I'm back here as a mistake, in a sense. I came through leaving uh, Virginia and I came through Little Rock to see some friends, and I was headed back to Los Angeles. 
had been gone for maybe a year or so working on some houses in Virginia and in Atlanta for some friends, was driving back to Los Angeles, stopped to see some friends, and somebody saw me and said, hey, man, are you back in town? I need you to take a look at my house I'm building in North Little Rock. I said, Mike, I don't have time for that. I'm, I'm on my way back to L.A. Oh, come on, man. Just look at the plans. I said, well, show me the plans. And he How looked, many years ago was that? Uh, Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still have your house out in L.A.? Uh, no, I don't have. I didn't, never had a house in L.A., but I, I keep a uh, I keep connections in L.A. and I keep a mailbox there so that I can stay in touch with all the folks in L.A. Well, and you're going back all the time, I think. I mean, you just well, went back to the just, jazz. I uh, went back for the uh, uh, Long Beach Jazz Festival. People don't think of actors and musicians and singers as entrepreneurs but really to me you're the epitome of an entrepreneur you are your own product so you know what i'm saying i mean you are your own you are an ultimate entrepreneur so let's talk about how you kind of started because i've noticed that people that are entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs from early on and i read somewhere that in the fifth grade you would make hand puppets, take them to school, and entertain your classmates. So have you always so been that, driven to that's, that? That's probably the beginning of it. Um, when I was a kid, my mom worked at a hat factory in St. Louis and would bring home remnants from all of the materials from the hats. I did not know and that. And then would sew this stuff together and make different items. And sometimes she had enough stuff that she would make little petticoats and dresses and stuff. So I was always the guy cutting out patterns, the, the Butterfield. I think uh-huh, Butterfield. Uh-huh, Butterfield. Oh, very good. Yes, Man, exactly. I know all this stuff. I know how to sew. I know how to do all that stuff. I own a sewing machine. I have a sewing machine. Um, Renaissance man again. <laughs> but what, 10 bucks at a, at a yard sale. I said, hey, I know how to use that. $10? Okay, I'll take it. Used it twice. But, I was about to say, you probably never turned it on. No, no, no. I used Don't it Don't forget to oil it. You have to oil sewing machines. I know it. I did all that stuff. I made puppets. I had 13 puppets, marionettes and or hand puppets. I took an old Motorola box and I made a stage out of it, painted it black on the inside, took the material and made up little curtains and took flashlights and duct taped them up in the corners. And fifth grade? In the fifth grade. And I used to drag that thing three and a half blocks to school when Miss Schwartz would ask me, can you come in Friday and bring your puppets for the kids? And I would say, yeah. And I dragged that thing three blocks to school do the puppet show. We turn out all the lights and I turn my flashlights on and I do the puppets and I would make up stuff. So when you're on my case about going off on a tangent, yeah. it's because I've been doing that. <laughs> You've been to going off on kids. tangents. Yes. <laughs> to go off like that and just do it for the kids and I make up stories. That's all. Just People just don't know stories. that before we came on, I was saying this is going to be a real testament to my skills at being a commentator because Rick will go off on a tangent forever and I'm going to have to keep you focused. No, so I'm, that's I, why you're well, saying that. You know what? Somebody said something to me not long ago, uh, maybe in the last couple of years. They said, you're so silly like that. And at that particular instant, my mind was at a point where I could respond to that intellectually. And I said, do you know what it takes to be silly? I know, right? Check this out. First of all, you have to truly hear what that person is saying. Which no one does. Then you have to understand it to the point that you can find the way of flipping it around or finding the joke or finding the obtuseness of it. Then you have to be able to say that and you have to do it all in milliseconds. Yes, they okay. say comedians are really intelligent. So when you think in terms of folks like Robin Williams, whose wife was just on TV yesterday talking about his passing, and you think about uh, uh, folks like that, the comedians, they are silly 
but they are so intelligent Quick. because they can hear something, understand it, and flip it back in conversation. So thank you for the compliment. You're <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Rick, do you dream all the time? Mm. I mean, all of us kids, I think, dream about becoming famous, becoming rock stars, becoming supermodels or actresses. But very few of us have the gumption to go and do it. In fact, I even heard somewhere that when polled, 95% of the people would rather die than have to get up and make a speech. So how did you, in the fifth grade, overcome? I, I did it exactly like I'm doing it now. I didn't start singing until maybe 10 years ago. Really? Literally. Literally. And the only reason that I started singing was because people kept saying, do you sing? Well, they your voice asking, is just so do good. Do you sing? And I said, no, I really don't sing. I was doing a show in Los Angeles and in San Diego. It was a one-man show. I played a little uh, instrument called a kalimba. It's a little bump piano, an African instrument. Mm -hmm. And I would go out on the beach, sometimes out on Black's Beach, which is just above La Jolla Coves, which is a nude beach. So you mm. have to wear you have to wear shoes, but I would always be out there with uh, boots on and a cap and my kalimba walking the beach. And that's it. Playing, yeah. Well, nobody else had. If you had on clothes on Black's Beach, you got noticed. <laughs> I'm serious. The, the Marines it. would come out there and they had their clothes on and they're looking at all the naked folks and walking up and down the beach and everybody's looking at what are those idiots doing? <laughs> you know. But if you're naked, it's like you just disappear. So you would bring your. I take my kalimba out there and I would do a kalimba concert, which is a poetry, improv, uh, stories and things like that. And occasionally I would do some Broadway type singing, you know. Um, what motivated you to do that? What is your motivation? Uh, and did you make any money doing it? Or was it just no, for joy? No, I, I did it for joy. But I did do uh, some of the college circuits during the uh, Black History Month. And uh, played at uh, Loyola Marymount College and L.A. City College and several places in Los Angeles and San Diego. I would go to the clubs and if somebody were taking a break, I would say, hey, man, can I go up and do something uh, for the 10 minutes that you guys going to be on break? What would you break? do? I would go up and I would do uh, characters. I got an old man, Otis, that I used to do and I would do poetry. And it would just be, be a moment where you would just go off into something that was unusual. I love that. You know. Listen, people, you are listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy and my friend Rick St. Vincent. And don't forget, uh, uh, old man Otis is here, too. <laughs> and old man you Otis is here. You didn't even mention me, and I've been sitting here uh, five minutes. How are you doing, Carrie? I'm fine, Mr. I'm Otis. How see, old are you? Uh, I'm a hundred. I'm thinking I'm a hundred. Uh, uh, Four, 104, I think. I don't even know what year you were born in. So what year would that make you born? I, I'm not sure. 1904. Yeah, yeah. No, 1914. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm here with Mr. Otis, Rick St. Vincent, <laughs> and I'm Carrie McCoy on KABF. This is a mentoring show for small business owners. My inspiring guest today is a self-employed actor, singer, and craftsman. So, Rick... How does somebody like you, who's just full of creativity, that is just they just cannot not create, how do they get started? The way I got started in this endeavor that I'm involved with now for the last 38 years in terms of cabinetry was I was working at KOKY. Oh, I remember that. Remember KOKY? That's still around. Still the black around. dot on but your I, dial. Yeah, I love that I, station. I was, they were at the Prospect Building back in 83 when I came here from Jackson, Mississippi doing really? radio. Actually, I was in Jackson, Mississippi working the shift that Paul Todd was working before I got there, and Paul was here. 
So you were a radio disc jockey. Radio disc jockey. Came here with uh, Dave, and uh, I was doing morning drive, and he was doing evening drive. And then things got murky at the radio station, and they started letting folks go. So before they came to me with a pink slip, I just quit. And they told me, well, you can't quit. I said, yes, I why can. Were they gonna, they, why were they letting people go? They were letting people go because at that time they were trying to reorganize the station. Radio FM stations and always struggle. Yeah. But uh, I quit that job in October and ran into a guy whose father had a furniture manufacturing plant down here on the base of Cantrell. Uh, Joe Blankenship. And he says, uh, hey, man, I'm going to stop by and look and see if there's any transients in our place because transients would break in there and sleep. So we stopped in and I saw all this lumber and and I had just quit the job. And he says, I said to him, I said, hey, man, what are you going to do with all this lumber? He says, "Uh, most of it's just going to rot away. We don't do anything with it. I said, well, can I have some? He said, yeah. I took a truck, went down there and filled that truck up and took it back out to Greenwood Forest Apartments yeah. out here on Greenwood. Yeah, Mountain Green Mountain Mountain Drive. Drive. Took that lumber in there, called some folks up in Memphis, told them that I could build a cabinet that they were asking about a couple of months ahead of that. And they said, yeah, sure. Did a cabinet for a lady there, $1,200, paid my rent, and that was the beginning. Next thing you know. Uh, How old were you? Uh, that was in 83, so I would have been 33. So... I hear this all the time. It was a necessity, and you saw an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that most business entrepreneurs like yourself just see opportunities and take advantage of them. But that's that's typical of us if we go back to our hunter-gatherer mentality. And we've gotten away from that. We've gotten away from that as human beings. We've gotten away from that. And this is part of our problem, I think. But I don't want to get philosophical. I'm just thinking that we have always been people uh, who were capable of living on this planet. And we didn't need Walmart. And we (laughs) we didn't need the Internet. We didn't need a lot of things that we have now. We didn't need. And we've lost that. Yeah. We've lost that. You're a scrapper. There's yeah. no doubt. Right? Even though you, no pun intended because you picked up scraps and made, <laughs> but you are a scrapper. You see opportunities everywhere, I think. I, I, Did I, you even know you could do woodwork? Uh, I knew that I used to tinker with all kind of stuff when I was about seven. I mean, you can sew, you can sing, you can disc jockey. Now you're doing woodwork. Well, I, I've done, I've done all kind of, I can weld, uh, do a little bit of glass work. Uh, uh, I would love to learn how to blow glass. And make mm-hmm. lamps and stuff. Who, mm-hmm. Who's the guy that does the lamps? The uh, uh, Soji's, uh, what is it? He does the beautiful uh, chandeliers. Oh, oh, yeah. I went to his exhibit yeah. at the Art Center. Yeah, Real I famous. Love, uh, uh, it starts with a P, I think. Oh, I gosh, I hate it stuff. when I can't remember. I love, and I can't remember now anyway because of my age, you know. It's gone. Yeah. But <laughs> that would be wonderful. There's a, there's a local artist here that also uh, mimics his style a little bit. But so you did do a little bit of work with wood before. So you kind of knew, I, I you, you recognized it was nice wood because yeah. you have a creative eye. And you well, said, this is beautiful wood. I made, look, when I was uh, a teenager, I'm thinking around 14, I made a go-kart out of a kitchen chair and a Briggs & Stratton trim motor that they would use to trim the uh, lawns. What? Yeah. And I, I put that thing on a on a chassis, my neighbor, Mr. Brown, who I'd love dearly in any life that we ever show up in, Mr. Brown, find me and 
in um, your next life, I yeah. won't be with next neighbor neighbors with Mr. Brown again. <laughs> so we we I made this uh, little go kart. Oh, actually, it was just a chair with three wheels, and I got on that thing, and a friend of mine uh, in his car drove on the side of me, and we got that thing up to thirty miles an hour. Now imagine going down a street. At 30 miles in an hour. In a kitchen chair a, with a lawnmower. On a kitchen chair. With a lawnmower motor. Foolishness is a good word to bring into this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Youthful. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I took that thing and for many years since I was a kid, I took that thing and I rebuilt that seven times. And in 78, I literally had a business in San Diego called Scooter Ads. And anybody who's lived in San Diego in 78 and uh, 80 will know of Scooter Ads because I had taken that same fork for the front wheel. Uh That never changed. But everything else evolved around it. And I wound up with a 780-pound vehicle that I would drive all around San Diego, Chula Vista, What does El that have Cajon. to do with Scooterville? It, it was called Scooter Ads. It was an advertising. So when you talked about God. turning something into something, the people that I had working on that, Nelson Bashir at that time was the national go-kart champion. Robert Kidder was the upholsterer at the Hotel Del Coronado. And John, uh, I got to call his name, he was Jacques Cousteau's underwater welder, one of Jacques no. Cousteau's underwater welder who has a small shop over near Market in San Diego where he makes uh, stainless steel railing for yachts. And he was they were all working on your, mo- what do you I, call it? On, on, this, on this little scooter ad thing. Scooter and everybody ad. that saw it thought it was a Cushman. They thought it was a Cushman. And they would come up and they say, where did you get that from? And I said, well, I, I built it. Now and nobody not, believed it. So you built this thing and you went to them and said, hey, you want me to ride around and sell ads for oh, you? Man, I did See, ads. See, there's more creative entrepreneurship. There's money ads. everywhere yeah. if you're creative enough. I did ads with uh, Ted Giannola's The San Diego Chicken. I did ads with the Charger Games. I did ads for the San Diego Ballet, ads for uh, SeaWorld. Ray Kroc was there once with uh, Orville Redenbacher. We did some ads uh, for some stuff that they were doing. And I drove this thing all around San Diego. So if anybody were in San Diego during that time, they, they, had, to, they had to have seen and it. Should we say you're lucky it. to be alive? Uh, maybe twice. There was two times it turned over. <laughs> I was going too fast. How fast would it go? It would go 40 miles an hour and it would drive three days on. Uh, I have one word for gas. you. Cool cat. You are a cool cat. I've done enough things that I can hang out with cats. So maybe they think I'm cool. You are. I mean, <laughs> Renaissance man isn't even a big enough word for you. Huh. So you I'm trying to piece together your colorful life. You graduated from high school. Did you go to college? Uh, I actually. And, and, and I'm. So you graduated people. from high school, a puppeteer. No, no. <laughs> I never graduated from high school. Oh, let me tell you. This that quick, happens all the time. Quick story. I'm in high school. A guy in high school who had hit me in the jaw, broke my jaw over a girl who I wound up marrying, my first wife there. This guy fractured my jaw. But you got the girl. No, I literally built a zip gun. You're not from the neighborhood who would know what that means. No, I have no idea what that means. I I built a zip gun that looked like a, uh, back in that day, would look like a rainbow handkerchief because I covered it with a rainbow handkerchief. You couldn't tell. A concealed weapon. It was a concealed weapon, yeah. And I gave it to a guy named Nathaniel. But they put me out of high school twice because I was working nights. I was married. 
working nights and in high school. In, yeah, you have lived a million yeah. lives. What were and you doing working nights? I was working nights because I was married and had a child. What was your? Oh my gosh! What was? Uh, what were you doing at night? Singing? No, I was uh, working at uh, General Electric Apparatus. Um, On and, assembly line? Uh, no, no. It was a uh, repair place for uh, field generators and large syn- synchronous motors and all that kind of stuff. So you have almost an engineering background. Mm, engineering I, is very creative. Well, I see myself as somewhat of a uh, bootleg engineer. I didn't go to school for it. Did you I ever get your degree? Out. No, no. I, I never you don't wanted need it. it. I never wanted the degree. No, you don't no, need it. I didn't ever. Uh, Miss Hudson who I knew from the sixth grade. You're an inspiration to a lot of people listening right now. Miss Hudson said this to me, and and I never forgot it. She she didn't say it to me. She said it to the class in sixth grade. She says, I'm going to save those who want to be saved. And my ears perked up. I'm telling you, they opened up. And I thought, wow, I want to be saved because the neighborhood that I grew up in, you know, I found dead body uh, once. Uh, Was it in Little Rock? No, in in St. Louis. Oh. I've seen people killed literally in front of me saw a guy get shot off the back of a car you know arguing with somebody it still upsets you i can see it in your eyes well what upsets me is that nothing's really changed over these years and i'm 66 years old now and not a whole lot has changed we placate ourselves believing that we've moved forward but we still haven't shaken the baggage that we carry Mm. a lot of us so she said you wanted to be saved she said, yeah, she says, uh, uh, I'm going to save those saved? who wants to be saved. There you go. And so my hand went up. And from that day forward, I never thought about grades. I thought about influencing. In other what words, grade was that? That was in the sixth grade. Okay. So uh, I never thought about grades as far as getting an A or, or getting a B or anything like that. I said, I want to know what I know. So she would always ask me, she says, well, how did you come to that conclusion? I say, well, this, that, this, that, and this, the other. And she says, okay, I understand. Even though you didn't do it right, you were thinking. And that's more than most of these people in this class. So her equation to being saved is to be a critical thinker. To think. To think about what's going on. To pay attention. You are absolutely a critical yeah. thinker. Yeah. Some people only think one step. Some people think two or three steps down the line. And I mean... You built that cart, then you thought who could use that cart. Like you just said at the very beginning of the show, you learn to listen and you learn to react to listening. Mm-hmm. And you see needs and you learn to react to needs. Well, uh, my son tells You're me, so he says, he says uh, my son says, uh, Dad, you do too much for people. And that's I said, impossible. That's like telling a rabbit not to hop, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think there's a religion in the world that doesn't say you should. Uh, the true happiness comes from serving others. So you're going to have to teach your son that, I guess. Mm. So you didn't graduate from high school. No, but I've gone to business colleges and city colleges. That's what I was going to say. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. You did a lot of Votech kind of school work. Well, here's the deal about education, and this is what we miss. Education should be and should always be giving people the ability to solve problems, not how much you can read or how many books you've amassed in your library or how quick you can do a formula in, in math, but can you solve a problem? And I've got problems right now that I'm trying to solve, so don't think that I'm over the hump. But education is about thinking about your environment, what's happening, and then solving that problem. And in order to do that, you've got to be able to get along with people. Like I always say, I believe everybody is absolutely right about what they believe. Now my job is, can I get along with them? 
Wow. The whole nother way of looking at it. It certainly <laughs> is. I love that. I'm going to have to write that down. That's a tweetable moment, a tweetable <laughs> comment. Uh, you're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy on KABF. This is a mentoring show for small business owners or for those who dream of owning a small business. My inspiring guest today is self-employed Rick St. Vincent. He's an actor, singer, puppeteer, and craftsman. If you want to hire Rick to sing also, I have to tell everybody, we haven't even gotten to your singing career, which is fabulous. I was with you last night, and you were singing at Bossa Nova. And you got another gig while I was down there. I got a gig because of you. Oh, good. Because of you. Carrie showed up. I'm sitting there looking at the lady who's about to uh, discern whether or not we're going to get the gig or not. She shows up, gives me a hug and a sloppery kiss. Ow! Ow! Oh, my neck just got all wet. And He's so <laughs> but at any rate, in that moment, uh, she says, yeah, we're going to do it. Chris and I will be at Dizzy's. Nice Unbelievable. Guy. Nice guy. Unbelievable. Um, and you talk about somebody cool. Now, I take my cool lessons from Chris. So I told Chris that we were auctioning off you and him at the Dancing into Dreamland event on November the 18th. That's November the 18th where. And he didn't folks, say, OK. He, well, yeah. I'll have to work that out with him because, you know, Chris is much more professional than I. Well, I'm auctioning you two gentlemen <laughs> off together for a party to benefit the Dreamland Ballroom. We're trying to get an elevator. We don't even need to talk about that yet. This show is flying by. I knew it would. Okay, so well, much to talk it. to you about. So I'd love to talk about the Dreamland Ballroom. But I think people want to know about you, the man, and how you got into singing and how do other people get into singing well, Singing is like how the soul talks to you. It's like the language of the soul to me. I saw something that was reading earlier today, and they talked about uh, uh, talking. And it said singing is just the next step just above talking, where the, the elongated balls and the elongated end of the words get stretched out, you know. And singing, for me, you know, you ever saw the uh, little thing I put on the bottom of my uh, stuff? It says, uh, I sing songs with the words that matter. <laughs> yeah, that, you do. That, well, that's, Frank Sinatra. That, uh, hey, I just added the song. Um, You're a crooner. I just added that song called "Oh uh, River Man." I sang last night. Was that the last the song at the very end? Mm. That last song was really good. What's was, your favorite song to sing? Which right song? Now, right now, "River Man." Right because it's your brand new and you're in love with yeah, it. Yeah, I'm in love with that song. Can you right sing now. any of it? Um, Can you even get the tune in Betty, your head? Betty, 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 Betty came by on her way. Said she had a word to say about things today and fallen leaves. Said she hadn't heard the news, hadn't had a time to choose a way to lose. But she believed, gonna see the river man, gonna tell him all I can about the plan for lilac time. If he tells me all he knows about the way his river flows and all night shows in summertime. Beautiful. <laughs> and it, and it's, about, it's about a woman who's just not all there upstairs, you know? Mm -hmm. But we know people like this in our mm -hmm. lives, you know? And they're not all, all the knives are not in the drawer. All the silverware is not shine. All the bulbs aren't turning. And you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but we know these people and we have an endearing compassion for them. 
Yep. And that's what this song is about, this this woman named Betty. I think you live next door to Ophidas. What's his name? <laughs> oh, who do you live next door to? I bet you're afraid. No, I hope he's not listening. I, I, he's going to get mad I'm, not gonna, at me. I, I'm glad you mispronounced his name because I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I like him a lot, though. I like him. I love him. I love cat. him. He's my buddy. I, I know. My buddy. I know but, he uh, is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was really lovely. You know, there are so many um, people that sing beautiful in the world, but they are... They're shy about sharing it. One of the things I really like about you is that you will belt out a song at the drop of a hat. and That's it, to get over fear. That is that, the language of the is. soul, too. And I really yeah. think it's a gift. Anytime, everybody listening can relate to this, but anytime that you are, all of us go through hard times, and every time you're in a dark place and you're soul searching, you can hear a song on the radio, mm. and that song will speak to a someplace in you that... You can't yeah. describe. There's no words for it. There's no words for it. But hopefully the words in the song matter. And that's what tells you, go ahead and move on it. Yeah. Yeah. So when it. you're singing for um, uh, Dizzies? Dizzies, is it an early night? I, I've got to call and find out exactly what the time's going to be. But I would imagine if you got there at seven-ish, it's going to be either just as we start or right in the middle of it. So seven-ish would be a, a good time to show up well and what i love about your music is it's word heavy i love that about you it does have great lyrics but you can also it's easy listening so you can have have conversations yes you know here's the thing when i'm there or when i'm anywhere singing i'm always to me my thing is i am the ocean that supports the boat that has the party that you are with Whoa, there's another tweetable <laughs> moment. I am the ocean that has that the boat. That supports the boat, that has the party that you are with. You're uh, with your party on the boat. I'm just the ocean trying to keep you afloat, trying to give you some, and you know what I mean? Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh. just take it easy. So out of all the things you do, which one makes you the most money? Which, uh, which one supports you? The, the cabinetry? The, the cabinetry. You know, I did Mosaic Templars. I did all the cabinetry over there. Oh, it's beautiful. That's a year and a half worth of work. And uh, most people don't even know that I did that. But no. if you go in there and you touch any one of the uh, 40, no, 53 different uh, doors and windows and those flipping doors, those rotating doors and the reception and, and all of the retail area and the kitchen and the classroom and the trim and the base and uh, oh, a lot of wood, a lot of wood. So I know I'd like to meet the trees that that wood came from and say, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, you like to work alone also. It's therapeutic. Well, I know that we've talked about this because yeah. you have hired people before. and You don't like the way they oh, do stuff. This goes back to education. People and you get this, too, with your job and what you do. Uh, and everybody does. I talked to Joe this morning about the same thing. Joe, Joe, Fox, Joe Fox at Community at Bakery. Community Bakery. Mm-hmm. People come to work for me and I say, okay, this is what we need to do. We need to cut this at this length. We need to do this to it. We need to process it in this way. Then they say, why? And this is because that's what needs to be done in order that it turn out like this drawing with these measurements and this finish on it. Then they say, well, I should be able to do it that way or this way. I said, look, if you go to work at McDonald's where they sell hamburgers for 99 cents, they're going to put you in a situation where you have to learn how to do that hamburger their way. 
Here's where you put the napkin. This is how you fold the aluminum foil wrapper around This is where the pickle goes. It. This is how much this ketchup. The, this is right. how much man, uh, mustard. It, it, I don't care where you go to right. work. If you go to work for somebody. Follow somebody, instructions. Somebody has something to tell you about their work. And once I, once I consummate a contract with an individual or a company, then I am at that instant, I'm working for that they, contract. Correct. I'm worker just like you're a worker. And I've got to do it a certain way. Because my name is on it and my reputation is on it. So I can't let it go out of the shop looking any kind of way. I have yet to have any customer that I know of who is dissatisfied or unpleased with my work. It's beautiful. Okay. So I am not going to impugn myself with turning out shoddy work. It doesn't make sense. When, when If you don't have money and all you have is your reputation, then you have to protect that. So all of my workers, you know. So you don't feel like people can live up to your standards that work for you? No, they say I'm picky and I'm too much of this or too much of that. But it's like, you know, look, <laughs> this is my name on this. I'm, I'm saying I've got to turn out something that somebody will go, okay, I like that. What's the name of your woodworking company? It's St. Vincent Concepts with a K. So if somebody wants you to do some cabinetry work. I can definitely put a link and probably already have on upyourbusiness.org. But I can also, and it's also on Flag and Banner, so they can find you. But if they wanted to find you to contract you to do something, how would they do it? Well, they can call my, uh, well, I'm not going to get up on the number because that's just going to inundate me with phone calls. You hope it does. <laughs> you hope it does. Go through Carrie. Go through Carrie yeah. because I've taken my website off. I'm trying to find a, a better website. I, I used to have a You're website. You're all over the website, you know, but, I don't, but I don't know that your phone number or how to contact you is, but there is a wealth of information well, about you because you've I'm done talking, so much. I'm talking to a lady in France right now, Isabel Izzy. I'm talking to her right now about doing my website because uh, she just uh, did hers, and I know her from here. One of her uh, people is uh, in jail here incarcerated here on death row one of her people what one of relatives uh, i don't want to get into too okay. deep with it anyway but at any rate he's incarcerated here down at barner and uh i and had sang for his uh fundraisers a couple of times and her she's an artist also so i sang for her and for him and uh i'm going to try to see if i can get her to do my website with just a different fresh mind set let me you know. tell you about websites yeah you have got a legacy. You don't realize it, but you have a long amount of history connected to your website. If you bring it down and change your Earl, your names that are mm -hmm. in your, that are up there, uh, your address, you are going to lose so much organic. Oh, by the you connection. can change the page, what it looks like. Well, yeah. but you cannot change the URL. None of that. Okay. None of those landing pages, URLs. I almost bankrupted Arkansas Flag and Banner by doing that in 2012. Did a brand new website. Person I had doing it didn't do a good job. And it. Were you able to retrieve all of that by way of redirecting it to the. You can the new redirect it. Google knows you're going to redirect it. It's not optimum, but it is absolutely the best thing. And don't redirect them to your front landing page. If this page is your page that's about how to contact you, then make sure you redirect the how to contact you page to the new how to contact you oh, page. Oh, okay, okay. So be very page specific. I don't got you. just, I got my you. guy just took every page I have, which was like, I have 20,000 products, I have 
20, I don't even know how many pages are on my website. And he just directed them all to the homepage. Okay. And that will bankrupt you. Mm. You will lose everything. So make well, sure I'm every, learning something today. Uh, yeah. I hope all my listeners are learning something today. I'm glad Building I met a new you. website you have to do because they keep changing technology and you just have to keep doing it. And all the websites have now got to become mobile friendly and the there's really not a patch for that. You really do end up having to make a new website. But you've got to be very, very careful and sensitive to all the history that you have attached to that old website hmm. and okay. make sure you talk to the right people. Don't just turn it off and start it's a new one. It's not a willy-nilly. How long have you had that website? Um, well, the one that I'm speaking of, I had it up for maybe two or three years, but I haven't had it up for the last two or three years. Why would you take it down? I took it down because it was too cumbersome and uh, it was it was long in terms of... Does that matter? Uh, Isn't it better to have something than nothing? It is better to have something than this nothing. This is why you can't get rich, Rick. This is uh, what you and I argue about all the time. You're so yeah. creative. If it's not perfect, we're not going to put it up. No. I'm like, no, just look. You know, oh, he's shaking I, his you know, what, I, what I need to do is I need to run into somebody with some um, disposable money. Somebody oh, don't we can, all? Yeah, somebody who can say, look, guy, you show me something in the next six months, and I'm going to put some money up and get you another six months. You, you show need me a something patron. Then, I need, yeah. Like Mozart had yeah. a patron. Yeah, but you know, maybe I just need a better push-up bra. You know where I can get some of those <laughs> folks out there. You're about to be due for a bra. <laughs> <laughs> you know? All right. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy on KABF. This is a mentoring show for small business owners or for those who dream of owning a small business. My inspiring guest today is self-employed Rick St. Vincent. He's an actor, singer, and a craftsman. There are so many people in the world that dream about being like you. And I've known you forever. And I know that you're always scrapping and... And I I keep saying the same thing. David Hill, who worked for the VA in San Diego, David Hill, back in 79 or so when I was in San Diego, said, man, I wish I could do what you're doing. I said, David, I wish I could do what you're doing. You have a job. You pay your bills. You have a wife and two kids and you drive a, a common gear. And I just thought he was cool. And he was looking at me saying, the, no, you're cool. And I I'm guess thinking, the grass know. is always greener on the other side. <laughs> I think we have a caller. Hello. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Kerry McCoy and my guest, Rick St. Vincent. What's your question today? Well, first I want to say you are definitely up in his business. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> up in his business. I want to give a shout out to my man, Rick St. Vincent. I know that voice. The crooner all over town. He knows how to scat. He knows how to do it. He does great cabinetry work. So I wanted to make sure I gave a shout out since I was listening. And also, thank you for having him on your show. You're welcome. He is voice. wrinkling his forehead yeah, trying to figure my... it out. <laughs> this, this is Mr. Mood, the smooth voice. Ah! Uh, you sound a, a little voice. different when you're on that side of the microphone, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a smooth voice, too. Thanks for calling, Smooth. Oh, my pleasure. Have hey, a great day. Much love. So, you came back to Little Rock 11 years ago. To, to visit. But... So you told me the one that makes you the most money is the woodworking. Yeah, but woodworking. which one do you love the most? I love the woodworking. Because you even draw. I, 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 well, I have to draw in order to do the woodworking. Mm -hmm. And um, I tell you, theater, theater is so consuming, but theater allows me to do a little bit of everything. I was a set designer in San Diego at the Educational Cultural Complex, and I was uh, the set designer during the time that uh, James Avery, who was the father on the Fresh Prince, 
was yeah. there. So James Avery and Asa Briggs and several other folks that have gone on to do other things, uh, we were all hanging out together. Um, they came to me once after a set and, and said, look, we're getting ready to do this August Wilson play and we need somebody to do this character. And I said, okay, I'll do it because it was a very small role. Did that and then that became a repetitive thing. Now, do another character, do this character, be in this play. I was like, well, look, I can't do the sets and do that at the same time. But what I realized after a while was that as in theater, I can do woodworking, I can sing, I can do acting. You haven't done much theater do when I look that. at your thing or either your website's not. Well, I have to get away from theater because it, it will suck up your time. I don't know how those people do that every night. Yeah, it will just suck up your time. But I love theater. I did Fences here twice, uh, two runs here for Fences. And uh, I've written two plays. I've got a play right now that I've written three years ago. You just um, finished a documentary about I, the most interesting guy I watched. I never knew Alfonso that guy. Trent. I yeah. never even knew that guy existed. Well, Alfonso Trent was a orchestra leader. And during the time that he was on the planet, he grew up in the time that all these other guys grew up. So Count Basie, Benny Goodman, Duke Ellington, all these guys, Jimmy Lunsford, all these cats were all in different areas of the country during this time. And Alfonso Trent was in the Mid-South, being one of the territory bands down here in the Mid-South. But he was phenomenal. And people stole his music. They stole his licks. There was a group in, in Memphis called TNT, which stood for Trent Number 2. Yeah, wow. and they were they were playing all of his music, but they were playing it as a combo group in Tennessee. Uh, I play John Felding, who is the singer for Alfonso Trent, and uh, the story starts in 1924, actually right here in Little Rock over at Shorter College, where he uh, had formed a band with some guys and uh, started their band, then left here and went to, to Dallas. Dallas. Yeah, I saw that. Left Dallas and just sprung out in all over the United States. But that's a documentary that I am so proud of right now. It, it is, is a one-man show. If anybody gets to see it, <laughs> it is just you talking. And Rick, you kill it. It's 19, it's actually about 20, 22 pages of uh, script. How did you learn all that? I just I took that's a what year. I, I it, took a year to learn. It was 17 pages by the time I got through. I learned, I literally learned verbatim. Did you get paid for doing it? Or was it a labor of love? It was a it was a labor of love, but I did get paid. But the Good. The, the pay didn't come T- close didn't to the labor year. of love. A, year, a year's <laughs> worth of work. And but, is it ever going to be released? Uh, well, it's out on DVD. It's on DVD right but now. But who could ever find it? I mean, well, if you hadn't given it to me, I wouldn't up, know about it. If you look up it. Alfonso Trent, I'm not sure what the production company is going to do right now. Uh-huh. I did send a couple of copies to some friends who work at the Lincoln Center. I know people who know uh, Bradford Marsalis and Wynton Marsalis right here in Little Rock because they all grew up together and played together in New Orleans. And so there are people right here in Little Rock that know the Marsalises. And so I've got a couple of copies out here and there. I don't know how I don't understand this business. Uh, Will you get royalties if it goes out? No. no, So you're done. So you're just you're just done. Yeah. Well, I just hate that. You did such a good job. I thought AETN needs to be telling this story, at least in Arkansas. This is a really special guy. Well, I'm trying to get it to AETN. And uh, earlier, before we got on here with Cal's Ron Robinson, uh, Big John Mm -hmm. Miller, I'm going to talk to him about presenting it over there, but I want to write the show for it, not just 
show the uh, documentary. I want to write a show around it and uh, have it presented over there. What are you most proud of? Of all the stuff you've done, just five meeting, lives in me, one. Meeting you. Of course. But seriously, of all what's, the stuff. What's wrong? Why, was that be, why would that be a joke? I'm, I'm serious. Because it is, and you know, know it I don't, is. I don't know many people who have done what you've done. Oh. I'm serious. I'm serious. Somebody who would say, okay, I'm going to start in zero, and then I'm going to take and do something with it. You, you, you you're know. one just like me. Just these, uh, every entrepreneur that I seem to interview is just like us. They're just crazy ambitious. They see an opportunity, and they just go with it. Thank you, Rick. That's very sweet. Well, You've got I a new it. show coming up. You're working on something right now. What are you working on? I'm working on a movie. Uh, I go film for one day Monday, what this movie called uh, Antiquities. Antiques? And Well, no, it's called Antiquities because the character that is the star of the movie gets a job at an antique shop. His father passes away. He goes back to try to find out something about his father. He winds Did up. Did you audition for it? Uh, yeah, I went through the uh, audition process for it. If someone's a budding actor, where do you go to audition? You read the paper? How do you find uh, out about auditions? Well, I've got people who call me. I've got an agent over here. You at go to the Sarah agency, Tackett? Sarah Tackett at the agency. That's I've somebody I need her. to have on, Sarah yeah, Tackett. Yeah, get her on here or Yancey or either one. Get them both over here. But I'll be doing that Monday. I'm playing, um, playing Coach McGee. Are you a mean coach or a nice coach? I'm a nice coach. You see, you see all this hair, extra hair on my I face. I know. You've got your own costume. I, well, I'm letting my hair kind of grow because i got to look sort of gruff. You, you know, look scruffy. This. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to get to that. Well, you're look. there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have flies around me, so don't think I'm that scruffy, okay? But I'm, I'm a you little scruffed good. up. Listen, I met you 30 years ago. You were so, you still are, you're so handsome, so well-spoken, as everybody has learned, so talented. You had a handsome dog, too, back then. Oh, yeah, India. I had that dog for 11 years. We could talk for 30 more minutes. I'm serious. We really could. But, uh, Rick, you're on the board of Dancing in the Dreamland. It's November the 18th. November 18th. If anybody wants to see either of us, they can come out at a Dancing in the Dreamland. It's the only fundraiser you and I have for Dreamland to raise money for an elevator. And if they don't want to see either of us, they can come and be amongst about 200 or 300 people who are all also cool. They are cool. It's a really great group (laughs) of people. And it's not late night, which is what I like about it so much, too. People are always saying, what are you trying to do? I'm like, we're trying to get an elevator because event centers just don't make any money. And it's a really great place. Well, it's got spirit. Oh, it does. So many people have gone through that place. And it's like it's a special place in the forest, you know, Mm -hmm. where you can go and say, wow, this is neat. I know it. Yeah, so, I'm, how do people get in touch with you? Just go to upyourbusiness.org and yeah, for right and, now and find me, and I'm, I'll have I'm a link. I'm working to on you. websites, and I'm working on a lot of the stuff. People keep saying I need to get a Little Rock phone number, but I've had this number for so this is what a you get. Time. This is what I get. Mm-hmm. It's a cigar, well, and you know what you get that for? For birthing so many businesses. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I did with the? I had a cigar. Don't say. It, Oh, okay, okay, go ahead. okay, because this is Little Rock, isn't it? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> All right. You need to back up, son. Don't, 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 don't step on my property. You can go on down the road if you want to. No. Okay. So, anyway, there's your cigar. <laughs> Thank Smoke you, ma'am. it and think about. What a success you've been and all the businesses you've birthed. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Thank you to the Renaissance man, Rick St. Vincent, 
this cigar that I just gave him came from the humidor room at Colonial Wine and Spirits on Markham Street in Little Rock, Arkansas. My guest next week will be a father-son duo. I could have spoken with each of them individually for they're both entrepreneurs extraordinaire on their own right, but I thought it might be fun to analyze personalities of entrepreneurs within a family. Is it nature or nurture? Father Eric Hergett started a successful insurance company, Hub International, that he recently sold and still advises. That will be fun to hear about his exit strategy. And his son, Ryan Hergett, started Chef Shuttle, which we have all heard of and used. I look forward to hearing how this 20-something not only came up with the idea of Chef Shuttle, but had the ambition and the guts to execute his idea. This is where the rubber meets the pavements for all of us big dreamers. To see a list of upcoming guests, you can visit upyourbusiness.org. You can also get in touch with Rick that way. But you can go there and see our schedule of guests for November and December. If you have a great entrepreneurial story you would like to share, I would love to hear from you. Send a brief bio and your contact info to questions at upyourbusiness.org, and someone will be in touch. And finally, to our listeners, thank you for spending time with me and my guest, Rick St. Vincent. If you think this program has been about you, you're right, but it's also been about me. Thank you for letting me fulfill my destiny. My hope today is that you've learned or heard something that's been inspiring or enlightening, and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next Friday at 2 p.m. on KABF Radio in Little Rock, Arkansas. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. If you miss any part of the show or want to learn more about UIYB, go to FlagandBanner.com and click on Radio Show. Like us on Facebook or subscribe to her weekly podcast wherever you like to listen. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week with links to resources you heard discussed on today's show. Underwriting opportunities available upon request. Carrie's goal is to help you live the American dream. Arkansas Flag and Banner is proud to underwrite Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. McCoy began this broadcast a year and a half ago with the intention of offering a mentoring platform for those with an entrepreneurial spirit. Through candid conversation and interesting interviews with business and community-minded Arkansans, listeners gain insight into starting and running a business, the ups and downs of risk-taking, and the commonalities of successful people. Carrie McCoy, founder and president of Arkansas Flag and Banner, believes in paying knowledge and experience forward and developed this radio show as a means of doing so. The biographies, life experiences, and wisdom of her guests would likely go unheard if not for this venue. Rarely do people open up for an hour to an audience about their life, mistakes, triumphs, and pitfalls. This unique radio show allows the listener intimate access into the stories of prominent leaders in our state. I am Adrienne McNally, manager of the Arkansas Flag and Banner Showroom and Gift Shop, located on the first floor of the historic Taborian Hall on the corner of 9th and State Streets in downtown Little Rock, Arkansas. In business for 43 years, we offer an old school shopping experience with front door parking, clerks to help you, and department store variety. Open to the public Monday through Friday, 8 to 5.30, and Saturday, 10 to 4. 
Want to create excitement for your business or event? Do it with affordable advertising from Arkansas's FlagandBanner.com. We have teardrop banners, retractable banners, and table drapes. We have street pole banners, museum and exhibit banners. We have custom flags, event tents, tailgating poles, auto graphics, and window scrim. And don't forget, welcome home and sale banners. Consult the experts at Arkansas's FlagandBanner.com. Go online for a free quote or drop by our historic showroom at 800 West 9th Street in Little Rock. Boost morale and patriotism with a new flag or flagpole from Arkansas's FlagandBanner.com. We have poles, hardware, accessories, maintenance support, installation, and custom flags. We have flags of all kinds for the sports enthusiast, the world traveler, or history buff. We have them all. Bring in your old flag and get $5 off a new one. Consult the experts at Arkansas's FlagandBanner.com. Come shop our historic location at 800 West 9th Street in Little Rock or visit us online at FlagandBanner.com. Arise Studio is a full audio and video production studio located in the heart of Conway, Arkansas. Whether it be a band, solo artist, sound effects, or voiceovers, or maybe you're looking to get video production done, from slideshows to full live performances, Arise Studios is the place to go. Check us out at www.arisestudios1.com. Jason Mallet from Rise Studios, and you're listening to 88.3 FM KABF Little Rock, the voice of the people.